0: peace to you, and welcome to a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sign up for weekly digital content at richfieldumc.org. Subscribe, share, and get out there with Jesus to heal a broken world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good experience. This is the sermon podcast for the traditional worship service on October 20th, 2019. The sermon title is Rallying Point, and it's part seven of a seven-part worship series called The Neighborhood. The preacher is Reverend Nate Melcher, and the scripture is Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, verses 4 through 13. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Acts, and we're taking a look through Acts this year to uh, see how the early church can teach us about the church we are now, and the church that God is calling us to be in the future. Last In the last few weeks, we've seen Stephen... Uh, martyred. He was killed for preaching about the gospel, and now the, uh, the, the people have been scattered. The people are scattered all throughout the land. They've been rousted out by the authorities, and now the gospel is spreading uh, here near and far. And so here's a short story about Philip, as Philip is teaching in a land called Samaria. Hear these words from Acts 8. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and pure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed were healed, so there was great joy in that city. Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced magic and sorcery in the city and amazed all the people in Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, Oh, this man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because they had amazed him for such a long time with his magic. But then they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, and they were baptized, both men and women. And Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I'll start with a story. A few weeks ago, a woman came to the church and uh, talked to Lindo in the front office and said, uh, I'm looking for a Bible study. Is there a Bible study in this church I might be able to be a part of? And she said, well, actually, it's Tuesday, and it's the women's Bible study right now. So she brought her into the women's Bible study, and our women who were there welcomed her with open hearts. Who's in our women's Bible study on occasion? A few up here, a couple down there. So uh, I heard about the story about how she went in and she felt welcomed warmly by the group. And when I heard about this, the next week I went back and I gave everybody a see all the people luggage tag. This is our little incentive so that when you're engaging with your neighbors in a new way, you can have this luggage tag reminding you to see all of God's people uh, because we got a lot of baggage maybe around evangelism. And I was so glad to hear that story. I want to say thank you so much uh, because that's the kind of church we want to be. We want to be the kind of church where someone walks in and says, is there something I can be a part of? And we say, yes. And, and actually, Muna's here in worship today, too. So it's good to see you today, Muna. Welcome. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if everyone who needed Jesus in their lives just would walk onto our campus and all we had to do was be friendly? That would make this whole Christianity thing a lot easier, I think. So, you need Jesus, you just walk in, and we'll smile, and we'll take care of it. That would be a lot simpler, I think, right? Uh, I'm not sure who came up with this whole notion of, uh, let me check my notes, Uh, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Oh, I guess Jesus said that. So, kidding aside, a big thank you to our women's Bible study for welcoming the stranger. It's the kind of church we want to be. Now, in this worship series the neighborhood. Everyone was asked to please go out and meet your neighbors. Get a name, learn a detail, connect a little deeper, move a stranger to an acquaintance into a relationship. And in the last two months, we've been asking for your stories about engaging your neighbors, and you responded. You gave me your stories, and now today I get to tell you a whole lot of your stories, friends. I get to tell you the story from Alicia, who talked about what it's like uh, living in a neighborhood where she and her family don't look like a lot of other people in the neighborhood, and so they have to find ways uh, to connect through commonalities that transcend race and gender and culture. Or Jan's story about being on a six-house cul-de-sac where pretty much everybody's in the grandparent stage except for this one new couple who's moved in and they're still raising their kids and they've got all of this energy and life that's been added to this six-house cul-de-sac, and now uh, all these folks who are in the grandparent stage of life, now they are mentors to this young couple as they raise their kids. Or Kay's story about being an aging adult who is still living in her home on her own, and how she's connected with four or five young adults on her block who are there for anything that she needs. They're the kind of young people that her daughter has called her guardian angels. Now, I want to say thank you to everybody who submitted a story, and you can always submit a story of any way that God is breaking through in your life at our new email address, Breakthrough stories at richfieldumc.org. And if you don't do email, we've got breakthrough story cards on the uh, community table out in the comments. We would love to hear more about how God is breaking through in your life. Now, Jesus didn't say, let strangers remain strangers. He called us to love people. And if we're going to do that, we need to have real relationships. Your neighbors, they have joys and concerns. They have celebrations and pain points. They need to share. They need prayer. Who's going to listen? Who's going to do that praying? Because I missed the part of the Bible where Jesus says, don't worry, someone else will take care of it. Now, Philip gets this as he travels to Samaria in the Scripture text. Now, this is not the same Philip that we know from the Gospels. So there's Philip, the disciple, uh, who becomes an apostle in acts. So we have stories of him and John. In the Gospel of John, he's the one who invites his his good friend, Nathaniel, to to meet Jesus. Nathaniel, the skeptic, who goes, "Ah, can anything good come from Nazareth? Those Nathans, I don't know about them sometimes. So there's that Philip. He's the Philip who said to Jesus, how are we going to feed 5,000 people? This is ridiculous. So it's not that Philip. This is Philip who was chosen along with Stephen from that pocket of leaders uh, Who the Apostles chose we looked at that scripture a few weeks back to help serve the new people who were coming into the church so This story the figure in the story is a side character. It's like a side character to a side character It would be like if in a Star Wars movie instead of following Luke Skywalker We're just gonna follow Chewbacca for 20 minutes or uh, if in a Harry Potter book, it'd be like, let's just pause on Harry Potter and read about Neville Longbottom for a book. It'd be like if you watch M.A.S.H., and instead of Hawkeye and Trapper John, you just watch Radar for a full season. I'm running out of intergenerational pop culture references, but you get the idea. Now, Philip travels to Samaria, and it's this place of rivalry, and I have a map up here of uh, Israel-Palestine in the time of Jesus. Podcast listeners, you're going to have to Google this. Choir, you might have to Google it, too. But uh, you can see here, uh, along the Mediterranean Sea, pretty much this kingdom is a north-south kingdom, okay? So it's occupied by Rome. You can see down here in the south, we have Jerusalem, and Bethlehem is a southern suburb. Uh, Bethlehem's like the, the Bloomington of Minneapolis down there, or the Richfield of Minneapolis, how about that? And uh, up here is Galilee on the Sea of Galilee, kind of the sticks up on the boonies. This is where Jesus did a lot of his work, a lot of his travels, a lot of his healing and teaching. And then you'll see here in the middle is Samaria. Now, I happen to get a topographical map to prove a point because when you were gonna travel to and from Jerusalem, which was essentially the hotbed of commerce, economy, it's where the temple is, and you live up in Galilee, like Nazareth, the town of Nazareth, or Capernaum, you got to make a choice. There's two ways to get up and down to Jerusalem. First, you could uh, go through this mountain pass, which takes a lot longer, and it's a lot more dangerous. You could get robbed. You could fall. All that stuff could happen while you're making your way to Jerusalem. Or you could take a shorter, quicker route through more even land through Samaria and risk seeing a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans and Jews did not get along, and we've heard those stories before. Uh, Jesus with the woman at the well, uh, and she says, why are you talking to me? You know, Jews and Samaritans aren't supposed to get along. We've got that tale of Jesus talking about the good Samaritan who stops to help the man on the road, which for the first people who heard that, if they were drinking wine, that would have been a spit take for a Samaritan to help. This is a long-standing rivalry. It goes back far beyond the 600 years since the Babylonian exile. It's farther than that, because even when Assyria conquers the Babylonians and they say, Jews, you can come back from wherever you are, and the Samaritans say, great, we would love to help rebuild the temple, the Jews say, we don't think so. Just stay over there. This is a long-standing rivalry. So my question to you is, when people are traveling from Galilee to Jerusalem, do you think they took the long mountain path or do you think they went through Samaria? They took the mountains, yeah. It was easier to take a more physically dangerous road than to risk seeing a rival. And that's where we're at in the story because that's where Philip goes. That's where he goes to share the gospel. And it's unbelievable. The church is scattered In the wake of stephen's martyrdom and they're taking that gospel with them in so many directions and so here goes philip he's proclaiming the gospel of jesus and he's bringing healing and then here's simon the sorcerer and he's been doing tricks been doing magic tricks he sees what philip is doing and he sees this is real power and philip could publicly denounce him but instead he's embraced now later in the story There is a section where Simon runs into Simon Peter, and he says, this is great. Can I buy some of this power off of you? I would really like to add this to my magic trick repertoire. And Peter does rebuke him and say, no, that's not what this is about. This is about Jesus. And in that, Simon says, oh my gosh, I need a second chance. I want to get better at this. Because it takes time and effort to get better at this. Now, friends, your stories that you've shared have really reflected your time and effort that it takes to build relationship. Caroline told me a story about how she lives in a multi-building condo complex. After 10 years in one building, she's been living the last six years in another building. Now, all the buildings are physically identical, but the atmosphere is completely different. In her first building, people were very friendly. People would say hi all the time. Uh, They would hold the door open. If they saw you at the grocery store, they'd stop and say hello, all that kind of thing. But in the second building, her current building, it just doesn't have that camaraderie. In fact, you can go days without seeing anyone because you drive into the parking garage, you take the elevator up, you go to your unit, and it's quite possible you won't see anybody at all she wrote to me that it feels like it's a ghost building. You know, like a ghost town, like a ghost building. Now, a few weeks ago, Caroline was in the elevator, and she was in the elevator with a man who she had never seen before, at least she didn't recognize him. And she asked, oh, good to see you. Have you just moved in? And he did, in December. So about eight or nine months ago, he just moved in. She said, oh, well, uh, you must live at the end of the hall then. Turned out, his unit was kitty-corner from hers. And they hadn't run into each other all that time. And so they had a discussion and a conversation that led to building some relationship with one of her literal neighbors. A few days later, she was parking her car down in the parking garage, and in this particular building, you've got your, your spot per unit. So she's parking in her unit's parking spot. And then the parking spot next to her somebody parks there, and that unit had been empty for months. So she goes, I'm going to wait in the car so I can meet these people. So she does so. They got out of the car, and she introduces herself, and that's how she meets Steve and his son, Ivan. And uh, Ivan sees on her car a pink ribbon decal, and he says, oh, that's an interesting image. It kind of looks like that the Jesus fish image, except turned a different way. Does this mean that you're Christian? And she says, no, actually, it's, it's a pink ribbon for, for cancer awareness, and I don't have cancer, but I'm a, a, an ally and a friend to people who do have cancer, and, uh, but I am a Christian. In fact, here's my little wooden cross keychain that I got from my church, Richfield United Methodist Church. If you didn't get one a few weeks ago, we still have more, so we can get you one of those. Caroline said it can feel like a ghost building. And as I hear how she's connecting with her neighbors in a new way, I told her it sounds more like a Holy Ghost building, full of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit's at work, friends. It really is. Julie wrote me a story reminding me about rivalry, and I thought that was pretty good considering the rivalry between the Jews and the Samaritans when Philip goes in their midst. Julie told me a story about how she and Gail introduced themselves to their new next-door neighbor a few years ago things were just fine, but then things got cold when she mentioned that she has some chemical sensitivities uh, to wood smoke. Now this is a fellow who liked to burn wood in his backyard, and you know, and some people like to do that, but if it gets to be too much, you know, if, if, if it makes you ill, that's no good, and if you've got to shut your windows, that's not so great, and then you can't even go in your backyard, that's really challenging. So she brought that up, and that's when things got cold. Shortly after that, it seemed like the man was burning more wood in his backyard than ever. And Julie tried the, the nice note approach, sent him that, uh, but it just kept getting worse. She wanted to enjoy her property outdoors. Now, later she learned that she other neighbors had requested this guy to not go on their property anymore. Apparently, it's a neighbor who likes to wander onto people's property and and also learn that from other neighbors that this guy would often make faces at them, or yell names at them, or do uh, gestures at them. Now this is getting tricky, because how do we live out the gospel when someone's being antagonistic? It takes time and it takes effort. So one day, This guy's got this big backyard bonfire. It's really going. And Julie just goes ahead to her window, and she closes the window, and they lock eyes. And he made a face at her, and he did some gestures. And instead of acting angry, Julie wrote, I calmly closed the windows and didn't react at all. It was funny because at that very moment when I decided not to show anger, but reluctant acceptance, I felt a change in our relationship. Something happened in that moment for both parties' attitudes. Maybe Julie got a little less angry, maybe this neighbor got a little more sympathetic, because the wood-burning grew less and less, and now it almost never happens. While talking Uh, One day, Julie saw him uh, while she was in the yard, and she said, hello. And while they're talking across the fence, the man was very excited to share aspects of his life story with someone who would listen to him. And that's when he explained how uh, he had all these adventures in the Navy that took him all over the world, including to Jerusalem. And he was so excited to travel to Jerusalem because that's where Jesus had walked. Julie wrote, I never would have guessed he was a person of faith. I felt my being kindly toward him made us better neighbors. Maybe that was God in action. Friends, I don't think there's any maybe about it. I think, yeah, God is in action in that story. Now, my family decided to get in on this, too. Uh, We've been trying to meet our neighbors in new ways in the last few weeks. We actually just got a brand-new next-door neighbor about two or three weeks ago. And uh, we've been trying to make a concerted effort of this over the last year. Uh, Now, last year, in May of 2018, we bought a new house about a mile away from here, and we wanted to build our neighbor connection. So we had this idea. The kids and I would go out house to house, and we would knock on the door, and we would say who we are, and we would get their name, and then we would ask them what kind of cookies they like. And then we would write that down, we'd go to the store, we would buy those cookies, and we would show up a few days later with those cookies and give it to them. The kids were very excited about this idea, I was excited about this idea, and people are just excited about cookies. This will be a good thing. So the first day we tried this, I was nervous, very suddenly nervous. I'm an extrovert. If you haven't been able to tell yet, friends, I'm an extrovert. But now, when we're actually going to do the hard work of going out there, I was hesitant, but not the kids. They led the way. Oh, Papa, which house should we go to first? Oh, well, let's just see who's outside already. No, no, we got to ring a doorbell. Which doorbell should we ring first? Oh, well, uh, um, we'll find one here. Now, if you think it's exhausting being an extrovert, try raising two extroverts all the time. It's exhausting. So here's the deal. They convince me we've got to at least give this a try. So we ring a doorbell and no one's home. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we ring the next doorbell. No one's home. Maybe we can go home. No, no. We go to the third doorbell. No answer kids, should we go home? No, no, I don't want to go home. They were bummed. So they want to have fun. They want to meet kids. They want to share cookies. I said, let's go over to the greenhouse. We've met these folks before. That will give us a way to warm up to all of this. So we met the mom at that house. We go over to the house, and she's not there, but the dad answers, and we've never really talked before. So uh, it's a little awkward chat at first, and then his kids spill out of the house, And the kids are playing, and one brings out a saxophone, and they're eating crab apples in the front yard, and and we chat, we learn about their cookie favorites. And uh, it was time to go, and the kids could not wait to go to the next house. And i got to admit, I was more ready now, too. For me, the trick was realizing there was no trick. This is going to take old-fashioned time and effort. There's just no way around those two things. No one ever said that sharing the gospel would be easy, even in the form of just smiling and saying hi and asking what kind of cookie you like. By the way, the number one cookie in our neighborhood, any guesses? Chocolate chip. Chocolate chip. It's chocolate chip. That's the number one cookie in our neighborhood. Now, there's something more that we learned, though, besides cookie preference. Now we know where the kids are. We know who works at the schools. We know Who knows about taking care of your trees? We know who's a retired MnDOT engineer. We know who gives their haircuts to their family at home. We know who bakes, who plays the sax, who took a vacation in their camper, who retired and really misses the camaraderie of work and loved, loved, loved getting a box of chocolate chip hand-delivered by two little extroverts. We've connected with our neighbors over game nights and block parties and neighborhood associations and business recommendations, and we had a trustworthy friend who could check in on our cat and our home while we were away on vacation this summer. And now, when we go trick-or-treating, we get to greet the people who are going to their home by name when we go trick-or-treating. It's also really helpful at Girl Scout cookie sale season, too. But most of all, Getting to know our neighbors of all ages has been fun. So last year when we were doing this, we, we made a video of it. And uh, so this is from last August of 2018, when the girls were about four and seven, were just about to be seven. Now, before we watch this, I want you to know that the ending is entirely unprompted. And I was surprised as anybody that it happened. So let's take a look. All right, kids. We have been going to our neighbors' houses this week to get to know them better. We asked them their names, and then what question did we ask them? What kind of cookies did they like, What did we do, B? Um, gave them to you. Wow. Yeah. So, what were some of the cookies that our neighbors said they like? Chocolate chip, chocolate chip and peanut free, ones that are light shortbread. Yeah. What was it like to give neighbors the cookies they like? Good, good, like, amazing. Do you feel like you got to know your neighbors a little bit more? Yeah. Pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you very much. In the love of your Irish, be with you. Oh, yeah. May the peace be be of God be with you. Also with you and you and and you and you and... and you and you and you and you and you Angela, and, Angela. Angela. and I love you and you and you and Exhausting. So three things about that video. One, we clearly had so much fun getting to know our neighbors in this way. It's how we meet our new neighbors moving in. It's how we say goodbye. It's with cookies. We love having fun getting to know our neighbors. We hope that you have fun getting to know your neighbors, too. Uh, Number two, I have zero idea where B learned to say, may the luck of the Irish be with you. I don't know if that's from a show or what. So one the last thing about that video, when Gertie shared the piece, uh, I had to tell you, friends, my heart was strangely warmed by that. It was unprompted. I didn't expect that. I didn't ask her to do that. I just kept the camera rolling to see what would happen. So she wasn't prompted by me, but she heard B say, may the luck of the Irish be with you, and that cadence made her think, oh, may the peace of God be with you. And so she decided to share it, and then B followed suit by saying, and also with you, just like we had our kids do a few minutes ago here in worship. May the peace of God be with you, and also with you. Now, at this point in their lives... They had been leading the sharing of the peace in worship at our old church home uh, for about four years almost every Sunday straight. Now, friends, when we let children know that they're welcome and an integral part of our gathering to worship God, this develops their faith. Worship leadership is two things it's competent and it's generous. We lead worship competently so we can do what we do with excellence, and we also lead worship with generosity so that it develops faith and inspires the body of Christ. And that goes for adults and children because being generous with worship leadership roles, it fosters faith, faith that we want to last beyond any of us as it's passed from generation to generation to generation. I want to tell you one more story about you folks and your neighbors. Kay told me a story about when we were having her husband's memorial here at Richfield UMC this summer. The day before, she was going to have about 50 people from her family gathered at her home, and she needed more space for this to happen. And so she and her daughter concocted a plan where they would ask their neighbors for help. So they ask people for picnic tables and to borrow chairs. Do you have that? Can we borrow your portable uh, basketball hoop? A neighbor said, yeah, I'll set up my volleyball net for you. And then her next door neighbor even said, "Uh, you're ordering a taco truck, a food truck? You can go ahead and have them park in my driveway. So there's this whole family gathering. as They're getting ready to celebrate uh, the life of Leigh. And uh, (laughs) this neighbor had this taco truck in his driveway. Everybody's having tacos and enchiladas all day long, as much as they could eat. In fact, at a certain point, somebody brought over a big dessert, and if I read Kay's message correctly, it looked like people from the neighborhood pitched in to buy this dessert for their family. Kay wrote this. Oh, I have to add this, too. Uh, Not everyone in that neighborhood had always been friendly with one another, including that guy with the driveway. And Kay wrote this. Our sense of being cared about in our neighborhood has changed, and it is so great to feel closer to all our neighbors. Friends, the Holy Spirit is at work in Kay's neighborhood in Richfield. In our worship series, The Neighborhood, we've explored many stories in the Acts of the Apostles. Think back to Rally Sunday. Part 1, we looked at Acts 5. Peter and the Apostles are performing many signs and wonders, and Jesus wants to see the good people he knows being the good people he knows who are reaching out to the people who go unseen by too many. Because engaging with our neighbors shows that Jesus matters to them. In part two, we wrapped up Acts 5 with Peter and the apostles standing up to the authorities and show that to claim one's authority and identity as an apostle is to claim one's call from God to be a witness to the good news of Jesus. In part three, we started Acts 6 where this small group, including Stephen and Philip, uh, are chosen to serve the greater community as a sign that if the church loses focus on its greater mission, it's only going to have a church-sized mission. In part four, we got to Acts 7, where Stephen is preaching to the authorities about the gospel and shows that God is always doing a new thing, and we are called to look for that new thing and partner up. The next week in act, part five, we see Stephen killed for this message. He's martyred in one of the high costs of discipleship is we have to do hard work of learning to listen and hear one another. Last week in part six, we started Acts 8, where the early church is scattered throughout the region, but so is the gospel. When we go door to door, we may be the only Jesus our neighbors meets. And here we are this week with Acts 8, where Philip spreads the gospel to rival communities, showing that this gospel is for all, inescapable. There is no path to your neighbor, rather, excuse me, there's no path to Jesus that does not go through your neighbor. There's no path to Jesus that does not go through your neighbor. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, as we step into a season of stewardship where we commit and invest in the story of how you partner with this church to break through in new ways, we give thanks for our neighbors. Thank you for the people we have met, the people we have yet to meet, the people we love to encounter, and the people who are challenging for us. May we see all as your children, and may we share Jesus with all whom we encounter. Amen. Friends, thank you for your stories that I might share them here. Let's keep investing in more stories. May it be so, and amen. This has been a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, copyright 2019. Now, go into God's world, knowing that you are a beloved child of God, and bear witness to the love of God, so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. Thanks for listening.